you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we're going to be going through the first chapter this morning. Before we prepare our hearts to come together for the Lord's table. First Peter chapter 1. In my Bible, it's on page 1366. I don't know if that helps you. It's entitled, A Living Hope and a Sure Salvation. The title of my message this morning is, The Hope of a Healthy Church. It's part of our, this is my church series. We're in part seven. First Peter chapter one, and it reads, verse one, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed In the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. 
For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Father, this morning we thank you once again for... Uh, this day that you've given us, Lord. It's your day today. Lord, we ask now that you would help us to move through this um, passage of Scripture. You'd help our thoughts and our minds, that we would direct them now towards you, Lord, that our hearts would receive your word with gladness. Lord, for those this morning who are enduring some of the trials that are even spoken of in this passage, Lord, that you would meet their every need. And that you would encourage us to see you as our hope, not founded on things that are perishable, but founded on the word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 3, it says, Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The hope we have as Christians, the hope we have as a healthy church is a living hope. Our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And our hope is in Jesus. Just as Jesus was raised to life, imperishable, incorruptible, and undefiled, so too is our inheritance of salvation. This perfect hope was given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because the scripture tells us that since Christ was raised, we also will be raised by the same power of the Holy Spirit. The seed of our hope is our being born again, given to us as a deposit guaranteeing what lies ahead. You see, what we've been given is a hope that is imperishable. What we've been given is a hope that is a living hope because Jesus is alive. Our hope doesn't lie in in anything else other than the resurrection of our Lord. In verse 6 and 7 it says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The hope of a Christian and of a healthy church brings glory to God. You holding fast to the hope that is given to us in the Word of God brings glory to God. You see, although we face trials, and in some cases great suffering, our hope runs deeper. Runs deeper than the trials. Runs deeper than the suffering. Runs deeper than the circumstances that you're going through today. The same sun that melts the ice 
hardens the clay. And since for the Christian, the character of our hope is imperishable, it remains not hindered by the trials and tribulations, but only strengthened by the difficulties we face. Because our hope runs deeper. Peter gives us an analogy here. He says that even with a precious substance like gold, which requires fire to be refined, still perishes. Yet our hope is even greater than any material thing in that although we face trials of various kinds, our hope remains because our hope runs deeper. Why does our hope run deeper? Because our hope doesn't rest in our circumstance. It doesn't rest in our ability or in us, but it it relies fully in the finished work of the cross. Our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. This past weekend, our culture demonstrated tremendous irony. And we do this annually. On Thursday, at least in the U.S., they celebrated Thanksgiving. It's meant to be a time of remembering what is really important in life. To remember that the best things in life aren't things. We celebrate life, love, family. And we do this with gratitude. It's Thanksgiving. And there's a lot of food, too. We get to eat. And then, it's not more than 24 hours later, but on Friday, thousands of people discard any sense of gratitude as the online videos will depict, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Many lose any rationale for respect and love for one another, trading it all in for some gizmo, some item, something that will perish with use. The shopping mall has become culture's house of worship. They even play Christmas carols. This is a tragic state of affairs, but for the Christian, our hope isn't in material possessions. Our hope is alive, and our hope is in Jesus. You see, we have a living hope. Our hope is deeper than circumstance. Our hope is deeper than trial. And our hope doesn't rely on material possessions. I got to be honest, I was really discouraged seeing some of these people fight for some gifts online. One lady even took it out of the hands of of a child. Just ripped it right out of the kid's hands. You know, I I don't fully blame them. I think it it is the product of the culture that we have, the programming that has been set in through the commercial industry towards our minds. And this is why Peter, even in this chapter, speaks to us in our day and the importance and the necessity of guarding our hearts and our minds. Though we have not seen Him, we love Him. Even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, the hope of a Christian and of a healthy church is not even based on sight. It's, our hope is expressed 
by our faith, as evidenced by the joy we express. Our hope is the hope of eternal life. Therefore, with minds that are fully alert and fully sober, set your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in His coming. That's verse 13. You see, the hope of a Christian and of a healthy church is not blind. Even though it says that our our faith is not by sight, even still our hope is not blind. Nowhere in Scripture are we encouraged to act as if these tests, trials, difficult situations, difficult circumstances are just not going on. On the contrary, we are to be alert, to be fully aware, and to be fully sober. Our mind state is critical as Christians. We are not to be drunk with the lust for material things. Our hope instead is to be set fully, completely, and totally on the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. Being sober-minded then, how are we to live? You see, even though our hope is not set on situations, it's not set on material circumstances, it's not set really on anything that goes on in this world, that doesn't mean we should just ignore what's going on. On the contrary, Peter here reminds us that we are to be alert, we are to be aware, and we are to walk in sobriety. We are to be sober-minded. My caution is that we would get so bogged down with what's going on. When we see all of the difficulties that are happening overseas, even ever since the launch of the 24-hour news cycle, they haven't had a lot to report on, so they just keep bombarding us with information about tragedy, trial, and tribulation going on. How the body of Christ is responding is the question we need to be asking. We see the politics in disarray. We see... Even in as close to home, people facing discrimination, racism, all kinds of things like this uh, bombard us from day to day. And it's not that we need to just ignore those or gloss over them or pretend like they're not there because they are there. But what we need to do is act soberly, be aware, and remember that our hope is not in this life, but it's in the next life. Our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. How are we to live then? Well, I made this little uh, acronym with the letters of HOPE, H-O-P-E. First one is H. We are to live holy lives. Just as He is holy, the Scripture encourages us, we need to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? It means that our lives are set apart for God. And this will display our faith. The O is for being obedient to God. As obedient children, we need to obey the commands of our Father. This displays our love for God. P for persevering under trials, difficulties, situations going on. We need to remember that the work of the cross is finished. This displays our character. Remember in Romans chapter 5, verse 4, it says, that trials produce in us perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope is the result of persevering under difficulty. And fourth, how else should we live? 
Not only should we live holy, obedient, and persevering lives, but we should live with eternity in view. There was a a popular Christian saying that was going on uh, some years ago. It said, uh, you know, people are some some people can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you heard of that one? They're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I I love the way C.S. Lewis addresses this. Um, He addressed it in, in some of his writings. He said, actually, the people who did most to impact this world were the very ones who held eternity in view. It's that you, you actually you cannot be so heavenly minded because the more heavenly minded we are, the more good we are to this world. The more we keep eternity in view, the more the world will see the hope that we have. And the scripture encourages us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. So H-O-P-E, being holy, be obedient, persevere, and keep eternity in view. This displays our hope. Through Him, you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so your faith and hope are in God. The hope of a Christian and of a healthy church is new life through Jesus. Our hope is not in our old life. The old life had no legitimate hope And even its superficial pleasures were fleeting and temporary. Whatever promised fulfillment through the old life was counterfeit and brought no true lasting satisfaction. We were delivered from that place. We were set free from abiding without hope and given the hope of salvation and life eternal. The former life that we lived was a lie. There was no hope there. There was no hope there. The wages of sin are death, the Bible says. And I want to encourage you this morning by telling you that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The devil is a liar. The devil presents something that looks good, something that seems to be beneficial but it's bitter and it's a lie and in the end there's only death the devil would present us with something to say that this is where we should be placing our hope this is where we should look to for salvation to save our situation it's a counterfeit And it's a lie. Our hope, brothers and sisters, is in Christ. It's in salvation that Jesus has purchased for us. It's interesting, uh, when we talk about the hope of our church, what does it mean to be a church? What is a church? Well, it says in in, in chapter 2, a little bit later in in 1 Peter, verses 4 and 5, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. The hope of a Christian and of a healthy church is that we would be a people who share in the hope of eternal life. 
You say, well, what's the church? Well, the church is a group of people who place their hope in God. The church is a group of people who've placed their hope in the finished work of the cross, who don't look to this life for salvation, but look and set our hopes fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revealing of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. And by the signs of the times, it seems sooner than ever. This is where we place our hope. As a church, we are a people who share in this hope. We are a people who encourage each other because we keep in eternity in view. We live out holy lives, lives with, that display our, our faith. We live obe- in obedience to God, submitting to one another in love, persevering under trials, going through difficulty. As Christians, we don't escape the trials and situations that others face. We go through them just the same. The difference is we have a hope in God. We have a hope that's not just fleeting, that's not just temporary, and it's not just based on something transient and temporal, but we have something that is based on a finished work of the cross, and it's solid and sure. It's a sure foundation. We can say just casually in, our, in the way we talk sometimes is, is, is this going to happen or is that going to happen? We can say, I hope so. And sometimes we can say that just with a little bit of skepticism. That's not the type of hope that the Bible presents to the Christian. The hope we have as Christians and as a healthy church is on a sure foundation. So the church is a group of people that share in this hope. That we would be offering spiritual sacrifices You know, we're being built up, it says in that verse, into a spiritual house as living stones, growing and learning. But what are these spiritual sacrifices? Well, in the Old Testament, they had a temple. This was the house of worship. And in that temple, sacrifices would be offered. But for the Christian, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are being built up into that spiritual house, and it's our objective And our purpose to offer spiritual sacrifices. But what are they? Well, it says in Romans 12 verse 1 that we would present our bodies as living sacrifices. This is our spiritual form of worship. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 15 and 16. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Is God pleased in the sacrifices of burnt offerings? No. He's pleased with a broken and contrite spirit. He's pleased when we love one another, when we share with one another, when we offer the sacrifice of praise, when we offer thanksgiving before God, and as we come together as a church to grow and to be built up into that spiritual house that God has called us to be. As a Christian and as our church, our hope is seen in our coming together to worship God, to learn and to grow, and to share with one another. As I invite the deacons to come forward, we're going to have a time of sharing in the Lord's table.
And I want to have a time of reflection this morning on this, this passage. I'd ask you to take a moment of personal reflection if you want to close your eyes, if you want to just be in prayer just for a moment.